I'm Guy Keller I'm from Tribeca Investment Partners. Uh, I'm part of the global natural resources business. Uh, I also run uh, our nuclear energy opportunity strategy uh, that's been going for uh, just shy of six years, where we're um, very focused on uh, on the uranium mining uh, part of the uh, the nuclear fuel cycle, but uh, but also look through the whole whole cycle. Guy, I guess it's been a while. Hope you're okay uh, over there in Oz. Uh, I put on a special party shirt for you because I, I, I kind of feel that it, it might be time this year. Is the, this year is the year? <laughs> How long have we been saying that? It feels like we've been saying it for four, four years. I thought, I thought you'd come from a paintball competition. I won, by the way. You need to know I won. Um, right. I want to. I want to talk about um, the obviously the mega thematic, which is obviously the the you know, en- energy transition and the role that nuclear has to play in that. You know, you run a fund which is called what. Nuclear energy opportunity. Wow. Well, there we go. Um, Neo for sure. Here's the thing I, I want to try and understand is um, we've been talking about the geopolitics. We've been talking about which companies um, are going to make it, which companies are going to win. You, you know, the the kind of um, price co- term contracts. We talk about lots of things. What's actually important to look at? Because right now it feels like in, in, in junior equities, it feels, you know, Pretty tough. People a little bit nervous. Less disposable income. Not quite sure where to focus. Um, what do you, as a fund manager, look at, and what gives you comfort you've made the right choices? Well, I mean, you've got to come back to the basic fundamentals. With the existing fleet, there's not being enough uranium mined to service those. Um, and then you've got the biggest reactor build program in decades. There's not going to be enough uranium mined, you know, to 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 um to fulfil that obligation as well. And Price is one thing, but there's permitting. There's a whole bunch of other things that need to happen, and we're not even there on price for the majority of that. So you know, let's just strip it down to basics. That's that's where you start. Okay, so we, we, we're talking about supply demand fundamentals. Inventory levels today um, suggest that people should be stocking up, but they're not. So how do we read it? Well, it comes down to how you look at it. Um, you know, when you look at Obviously, as as many of your listeners are aware, um, if they're tuning in regularly to to your, uh, your 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 programs, uranium's beginning of the nuclear fuel cycle, and the pricing through that fuel cycle is at all time highs. Conversion, uh, enrichment, SWU pricing, um, you know, and that is the processing of that uranium. So so that's telling you that there's activity happening. You know, we're seeing what 115 odd million pounds contracted last year. I think the number. More recently, for this year to date, is 107 million pounds. Somebody said this morning that they could see it going to 200. But you know, as as, as Grant Isaac at Cameco always says, 115 million pounds is great, but it's still below replacement value. You know, utilities are consuming, depending on how you look at it, let's say 170 to 180 million pounds a year. They're not replacing that, and they haven't done that for a decade. So I'd actually say that you know it's the busiest we've seen. On a contracting basis since the last cycle it's just not that observable for for uh you know tourists sort of peeking into the sector right but okay so it's it's, it's as simple as that supply demand okay and um I, I hear what you're saying we've been ta- we've been talking about our weekly energy show for the last uh, three years in terms of how this would play out but this is a creative at best I can can you can you also understand why people looking in go, I just can't trust 
this uranium play any longer. We're, we're up, we're down. Um, no one seems to know what's going on. I'm not quite sure where the bottom is. I'm not quite sure how price moves and how and what, quite frankly, I should be looking at. It's it's so opaque. Ah, oh, look. I mean, you know, what we started talking six, seven years ago, and and uh, and you know, we entered the space at a time where you were sort of getting interested as well, and and we thought we were timing a few of the false starts that we'd seen in the years leading up to that, and since then we've seen a few other false starts. But I think. The difference is every time you get those moves, there's, there's it's building more of the thesis. There's more eyeballs on it. There's more people that understand it the next time it moves. Um, but you know, and yes, it's opaque. But lithium's opaque as well. Like, who can honestly actually tell you what a where a lithium price is? People point to a whole bunch of different benchmarks, and it tends to be whichever one suits their narrative. The difference is the the you know, the broken community has. A huge amount of deal flow for lithium so investors are seeing lithium deals on you know well not not recently but certainly in the lead up to as an institution you'd be getting half a dozen deals across your desk per day or per week you know analysts are, are writing notes on it so but you know you go and ask somebody where's the lithium price right now they'll, they'll sort of try to scramble to find one so commodities for the most part are opaque markets uh, you know, with the exception of your macro commodities, obviously, where you can see a copper price or a gold price or an oil price anyway. Right. Okay. But, but I think, I always feel like the mining sectors, I mean, so small, right? It's, it's a tiny, tiny little universe we all operate in. And and we're not as important as we, as we think because, you know, there are other verticals which the banks are paying attention to. And we have seen split obviously come in. We've obviously um, there's uh, yellow cake in the UK. You've got a new group out of out of Switzerland as well. You know, obviously your 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 group, but it's it, it's like it's a small amount of people paying attention to this space. Is is size the problem? People can't deploy the capital that they want, or does it come back to the fact that people just don't understand the, the metrics or you know which metrics to believe or how? Um, this industry, you know, plays out over the next, you know, hopefully 24 months. Oh, look, size absolutely is is the problem for the sector when you look at uh, institutional money and pension fund and and uh, superannuation funds here in Australia. I mean, the sector, I always use the Australian example, but the whole investable universe of, of, of uh, uranium, including Cameco and the free float of Kazatomprom, the market capitalization of that global sector fits inside the market capitalization of Fortescue Metals. Um, yet, it's a sector that's providing the raw material for 10% of the world's electricity. So there's a massive disconnect from what it does and the investable opportunity. And, and when you look at more recently, you, you, know, you, you look at the outperformance of Cameco because money has gone to the producing liquid stock um, in order to have some exposure there. Um, in in times where there's a bit of macro uncertainty, but you know that's a, it's a pretty small to, to be able to have one stock that some of these guys can invest in, and, and so then you are at, you're at the mercy of retail investors, and I, and I often say this is a, a grown up thesis being thrown around a school play yard um, because of that disconnect as to the, the 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 knowledge of understanding you need for the sector versus the 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 investable opportunity. Okay, well, well, let's let's stick with this kind of supply demand a bit at the moment because if if it's that's if the kind of if that's the important bit of this in terms of um, you know what supplies coming online, 
and what the demand numbers are. I'm not quite sure who to believe on on, on the demand numbers because they, they such a wide range um, being, being proffered up. Um, you know, and uh, like everyone's got a vested interest in, in, in presenting different sorts of numbers, right? So, if if you as a fund manager looking at the on, on the supply side, obviously you're looking at all the companies, you're evaluating all the companies, you're trying to work out who's real on a fundamentals basis, who, who's real and what's a what's a kind of I guess market play, momentum play. You probably invest in the former because you need this thing to kind of play out. You can't you can't rely on momentum as an investment strategy. So what what do you see in terms of supply um, coming? Uh, and the company, the, those companies' ability to actually get into production anytime soon. And, and I say that in the backdrop of things like the recent conference in, in uh, DC, where you've kind of got politicians like very, very much engaged now in this energy transition solution. The you know even the EV revolution because those cars need to be powered with something. Um, how, how, how do you look at this kind of supply side of things? Um, yeah, look, I mean, there's obviously the, there's a handful of companies that have funded to production restarts at the moment, right? So they've gone out, they've ripped the band off, they've raised the money and they're coming. So when I look at those companies and, and, and we've, we're fairly heavily weighted at that end, we're into either producing co uh, companies or, or those funded to productions. Cause when I look at those restart projects, um, you know, like no mining project is ever going to be built on time or on budget and, and restart projects are never going to go smoothly. But when I look at the ones that are that are in the process of coming to market now, um, the sunk capex is there. Yes, they've changed some of the, the process of what they're doing. So they will come to market. There's plenty of people who sit there and go, oh, see, the moment things pop up, all of this supply is coming on. The question I ask everybody there is, well, once the handful that are currently moving uh, make that decision and successfully start moving to market, you still haven't solved the supply deficit for a start. And what's next? I mean, you look at, you talk about Washington, you know, IRA and, and US government support. And yes, it's both sides of the, of the fence. And there's probably a dozen companies that, that are telling you that they're going to be able to benefit from that with US production. But the reality is in the next 12 to 24 months, there's probably two or three of them that are going to be able to deliver the pounds that they say they're going to because they're good assets. Uh, they've got a good process that's worked in the past or, or is easily easily replicable, and they've got good people uh, and good access to capital to be able to do that. And they've probably already either got some sort of a contract or indication to show that there's demand for their product. So, you know, it comes down to really separating the wheat from the chaff. And, um, you know, again, we have the beauty and the advantage of cycles. In the last cycle, there was dozens of projects that were going to come to market. And even... Before Fukushima, only a handful of those were able to actually deliver. So the supply is going to be a really, really interesting one to watch. And whilst, you know, a rising tide will float all boats, there's going to be a few that stand out, you know, uh, well above the uh, the rest of the peer group and actually start delivering pounds. Um, you know, and what does that do? It then allows institutional investors to see a pathway, a, a pathway to production and cash flow which means that the analysts that's gone out and worked really, really hard to get CFA and a few dashes after their name can actually go and start modeling some of these companies and present that the comparable universe of their portfolio manager and make a decision. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So let's not talk about analysts. Um, I used to be one. I have a very low opinion of them. Um, generally, generally, they're incentivized in different ways, right? Okay. So then this comes back to this here, who, who to believe. 
Um, so, and I agree with you on the on the supply side. You know, um, for me, else it's kind of better to kind of focus on the developers and and and, and producers because at least it's been heavily de-risked. But if I do if I do look at the supply side, even if everyone comes on tap, it doesn't feel like it's it's enough. Or is it? Because on the on the with come back to the demand numbers, is like I'm not I'm not quite sure what to believe and at what pace this thing's going to move. It, like I said, it's it's opaque. So how how are you reading the demand side? Is there kind of demand destruction, it, or should we be more optimistic? I mean, how do you how do you do it? The the beauty about the demand side in the nuclear sector compared to demand side of other commodities where macro factors are at play. For example, copper. I mean, how do you how do you truly model how many air conditioning units are going to be built and consumed per year, and and how to you know the 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 a reactor runs until it doesn't, and 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 it you know it may come down for maintenance and things like that. But but in a normal operating, we've got enough data to to be able to look at a reactor and say that's going to be operational X number of days, so it's going to consume roughly this many pounds. It's on that recycling, a refueling process. So it's actually quite, and it doesn't move fast, you know. So even if a reactor says we're going to shut down, it's not tomorrow. It's in three or five years' time, or maybe longer. Um, and you, we naturally assume that that was that the nuclear have countries were starting to 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 roll off some of their reactors. They're coming to the end of their um, approved lives, not necessarily their ability to operate, but their approvals. Um, and there was political decisions around that. That's now gone back to flat, right? So that that fall off in demand that you may have seen just naturally occurring has now gone to flat. You then throw in that fifty odd reactor build, um, you know, twenty five million odd pounds. That's this Macarthur River running at capacity to fulfil that, uh, or you know, next gen's arrow come into production, uh, and you say great. But then people sort of forget. They say. Oh well, fifty reactors, and then we're done. It's like it's not going to just stop there. Those are fifty reactors being built that will connect to the grid between tomorrow and twenty twenty six. The countries that are building these things aren't stopping there. So, so I actually look at that demand equation and say, yes, you can you tie yourself in knots around around you know looking at annual demand each year because of refueling priorities, but the demand's not going down. In fact, it's going up. Um, and if you've got a supply deficit now on current demand, um, then you know you're going to have a, a supply deficit on future demand because it's going the wrong way for you um, on on that equation. Yeah, we're seeing we're seeing that as well in in the EV thematic too. Like for, I could re- reference this com- this um, conference in DC last week because one of the guys who came on the show and said, "Look, I, I spoke to you know three of I think it was three of the big." Uh, U.S. automotive manufacturer CEOs, right? One of those CEOs said, "Oh, yeah, we're 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 all in. We're absolutely all in on the electric thematic. Um, IRA's helped us. The Inflation Reduction Act has helped us. Something like 137 billion bucks allocated to that for industry and uh, automotive manufacturers so far. None for miners. Well, sorry, a, a little bit, but that's energy security um, elsewhere. And you go." Okay, that's cool. So, what what are you what are you uh, what are you looking for? We're looking for um, wealthy lithium, copper, um, et cetera, et cetera. How much lithium do you need? He gave a number to the to the guy I spoke to of between sixty and one hundred percent of today's lithium production, global lithium production. One automotive company, 
Now, either either the guy got his numbers wrong, or he doesn't quite understand how mining works, which is obviously problematic. At the same time, you've got fantastic. You know, Jay Manchin was that he he gave a you know, great talk. Apparently, talking we're going to support this industry, we're going to support this sector. We're going you know we're all in on the green. Nico, but when you're not helping miners, you're not helping miners because you the permitting and licensing is problematic. You need to kind of get out of the get out of your own way. You got to maybe think about things other than tax credits because that's after the event. Um, and incentivize or even fund company mining companies in different ways because industry doesn't seem to know. We're talking about supply demand gaps, right? Supply demand gaps in EV, it, to me, was shocking because he then spoke to another two automotive CEOs who pretty much said the same thing. So you look, you got between three companies, two to three times the world's current production of lithium. You like something's got to give. Right, so in the same way for, for uranium, do you think uh, the politicians are talking a good game without necessarily understanding the kind of potential problem they're causing in the supply demand fundamentals? It seems to me, and utility bar is not really moving because they're watching the they're watching their own dollars in their own bank account, making sure they're buying the cheapest possible and at the last possible minute, and it just feels very precarious. Is it likely? Is it, is it likely to fall over? Is it likely to succeed, or is the train left the station and these infrastructure bills will kind of drive a solution? Yeah, I mean it's a really good question. I don't. The, I, I don't think politicians do factor that in. I mean, um, you know, across anything. I mean, you, the perfect example is you know uh, Newsom with Diablo Canyon turning around and doing a complete backflip on that, and, and suddenly. The fuel buyer at Diablo Canyon's sitting there going, holy moly, I've got to go and find 6.1 million pounds of uranium equivalent now to keep this thing running uh, because the governor's not only talking about the lights not going off, but he's now talking about desalination, desalination plants and hydrogen industries around around my reactor that I don't have fuel for. Um, you know, the city of London banning what diesel vehicles uh, by whatever year that is were they considering how much lithium was required to to replace those vehicles with electric vehicles? No, um, and, and that's the problem you're seeing everywhere at the moment. It's that these political decisions are being made. Um, the US is a really interesting example because they they are playing a much bigger global game around energy security and and energy technology ownership as well. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that they're pushing. Um, you know, to 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 build reactors, to push Westinghouse technology out to the rest of the world, to push Cameco out as a proxy for them for fuel contracts, um, ALU tenders. It doesn't surprise me that they're trying to 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 win that technology race. Um, you know, will the uranium come? Probably eventually. I mean, they've proven that they'll buy a little bit here and there just to keep people happy. Um, but yeah, I think they're probably more aware of it. The US. Um, but it's, it's, it's not just uranium to your point. It's, it's everything. And, and we, we, we probably will have to have a, a come to Jesus moment eventually where we sort of turn around and say, you can't go from a hundred units of carbon to zero tomorrow. You just can't do that. There, there has to be a plan and a transition to be able to properly manage that. But does that mean that demand for these raw materials craters? No, it probably just means that, that a more, uh, realistic, you know, ability to mine um, is, is put in place. I mean, 
2016, who got lithium demand right then? No one. And, and, and everyone was wrong because they were way too low because nobody saw that there was going to be all these governments turn around and ban vehicles and that you see these gigafactories just explode over the world because, uh, sorry, not explode, but, you know, be building uh, uh, everywhere around the world because governments are saying, wow, this is a great technology play for us and, and we can decarbonize. The places are falling apart in place eventually. Well, yeah, let's not talk about politics. I'll be here for four hours. Stupidity of decision making. Um, okay, but, but let's talk about some of the things that have, have happened over the last um, you know, three, four years, not just in uranium, but globally. Obviously, we, we've had COVID within a supply chain issues and companies move from just in time strategies to building up large inventories. If as you say, th this is a fundamentally about supply demand uh, economics uh, for the sector. It's such a small sector. So there's a couple of things gonna, I'm, I'm wondering if they happen is, do companies maintain that um, building up of inventories to kind of solve their problems? Because they're not quite sure where it's coming from. We, obviously, we've got kind of that whole Russia, China, Kazakhstan thing going on where you're seeing um, uranium and enriched uranium like heading east. We've kind of got potentially a bifurcated market where we're talking about USA and allies. It's kind of combative word there, but you, you know what I mean. Um, potentially different types of pricing, but potentially a huge shortfall in the West for what they need. You, you're right. You referenced Diablo there. They've gone out to market and they've gone big because they were running the inventory down. They've had to go big to guarantee ability to you know deliver into their market so do you see sorts of changes of behavior changes of buying patterns um and this kind of not just restocking but stocking up uh as, as potentially being able to kind of i guess move the market yeah look the power dynamics of pricing is changing um you know the the provider of those services or material is now much more in the driving seat um and it's just you know, the utilities are, uh, are, are struggling to get to grips with that. They've had 12 years of, of it being their market that they can dictate whatever and whatever they want to do. And now they've got not only uranium producers, primarily Cameco, pushing back on that, uh, but also conversion enrichment services. Um, and, you know, like, these, they don't move fast. They never have moved fast. We're not. We, we live in, in this instant adrenaline hit you know, social media life now where if, you, if something doesn't happen immediately, you move on because there's a, a, a brighter, shiny object that gets your attention. These are, they're slow moving. They, not only does a fuel buyer have to work out what they need and how they need it and where they're going to get it from, they're then going to take it to the, their, their, their boss and the CEO and it goes to the board, it goes to a board meeting. You know, the board's not meeting every week. You know, they're running coal and gas and, uh, and renewables and everything else as well. So, you know, is, is, are they coming to recognize it? Yes, they are. You know, there was just a, a, a nuclear fuels conference in, in East Sublenia, I think it was. Uh, and, you know, people are saying, oh, Urenco, and, and, and they're, they're complaining that the utilities aren't willing to come to them on, on price on in enrichment yet. It's like, it's negotiation 101. <laughs> but the, the thing that they've proven in the past is if, if one of the big boys blinks, they all blink. Um, and and they know they have to at some stage. They're just trying to work out whether uh, there's going to be another lifeline potentially, like the US government turns around and says, you know, here you go, here's a big check. 
to, uh, to start some enrichment services um, or another tax credit or whatever it's going to be. They're just they're playing the game. And, and the, the junior equity investor uh, in the uranium space just is not looking at that. They're, they're saying, I'm, all I'm hearing is all this bullish stuff. It should move. And, and, you know, people like you and I can shout from the rooftops, it's happening. Um, but if they can't see it on their, on their, on their you know, e-trading platform, then, uh, then they don't, they don't, you know, they don't want to believe it quite yet. Plus, you know, but, but I think we are a different type, a different type of investor. You know, we're not looking at the, our, our stocks on a daily basis. It's a, we, we believe in the thematic, so that, that's why I say it's, it's a creative play, but it's a solid one. Um, but just let, let, let's kind of um, just stick with um, that. So that, that 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 question I just asked was to, was to go as to you know how, how does this kind of play out? Is like I'm thinking I'm trying to. Because it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like that during the COVID thing, you know, right? People, there's a run on uh, toilet roll and pasta. It's like, when you think, I'm going to buy this thing now, but if it's not there in a month's time when I need the next toilet roll, pasta, or toothpaste, I'm going to stock up. People stocked up. And I'm just, that's the kind of, I wonder what the psychology of the buying behavior for, for the buyers that utilities will, will be. If, if they feel it's not going to be there when the next time they go to market, do they start stocking up? And what's the, obviously, inflection? Uh, for the sector, not just in terms of pricing, but in, in terms of contracting and, and, and so forth. That, that, that was why I wanted to understand that. But let's talk about the role of government going forward, okay? Um, because we've seen in South America chat of nationalization, you know, where, you know, pick a country, um, where people want to take control and capture as much of the value as possible. I think the North American um, imperative is more fundamental than that, in, is that it's energy security. There's some very combative language out there um, at the moment, um, but yet we have failed to see any meaningful input from the government so far. U.S. government, talking about particularly as one of the biggest buyers in the market, one of the biggest consumers in the market, the North American market. Um, so far, not meaningful amounts of money going into the mining component. Industry, yes, nuclear reactors, extensions, you know, all that good stuff, but mining, not yet. So I'm again. The question I'm, I'm asking is: Do you see more consolidation where you know someone takes advantage of that? Do you see, let's call it participation, not nationalization, uh, of, of of companies in this in this sector? I mean, again, how does it play out? How does America actually deliver energy security for its population? Yeah, that's um, you know again. It's another good question. It's another good question, right? <laughs> And then, and again, the 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 uranium is such a small part of what the U.S. is trying to achieve. Uh, I don't think they've lost sight of it. And and when you speak to those companies that that participated in that recent uh, DOE tender for the uh, seventy million dollars or whatever it was, um, they will all say that there was a a lot of paperwork and and a lot of hoops they had to jump through to qualify um, for that program. And you, you sort of look at it from the Department of Energy's perspective and say why did you bother but when you're a bureaucratic organization and you've now cleared the that backlog potentially it means if you want to go big um you don't have to then say oh sorry it's going to be six months while we just do your paperwork matthew sorry about that um because it's already done and, and that's one of the things some of these us guys are saying now they're saying you know we and and i'm not i'm not investing in them on the basis that the Department of Energy is going to be the sole buyer of the uranium, um, which is why, as I said, there's, there's a dozen of them telling you they'll produce U.S. pounds. 
that they uh, they all need a seventy dollar DOE price to do so. I'm looking at the ones that can say, I've got you know, yes, if the DOE want to give me seventy bucks for a million or two million pounds, fine, I'll sell it to them. <laughs> but here in the sixties or the high fifties, I and I've got a market and I can make uh, make use of money being an investor. Um, so yeah, I, as I said, I don't think. I think the Department of Energy's now said said we've just we've cleared the pipes, and and we can do something if we need to or when we need to. Um, right now, let's focus on the conversion enrichment. Halu, uh, let's focus on on getting uh, a, a short list of small modular reactor designs that we can have approved. Uh, you know, they're working with the Canadian authorities, for example, uh, and I understand the Europeans to try to to have some sort of similarity on. On, uh, on approving these designs. Let's focus on that, and then we know we can solve the uranium problem with some money if the market hasn't solved that problem already. Because, I mean, can you get, can you get, you know, what's what, what have the US done in the past? Five million pounds? Can you get more than that? Sure, maybe, uh, but you have to, have to cut a fair bit of bureaucratic tape around. Um, and it's not necessarily the federal government, right? It's, it's BLM, it's... It's state forest, it's state regulators, a whole bunch of things there you need to sort out. Um, you know, can they look at their partners? And they are. They're seeing that with all their critical minerals, Canada, Australia, um, you know, turning around saying, well, well, we'll be the customer for you guys. You do the heavy lifting. So you could find that there's a few US guys that expect the US government to come in and help them uh, and it doesn't come as quickly as they expect. Um, and other people are reacting to the market and saying, well, we're, a, we're an ally country. Here you go. Here's, here's a million or two million pounds a year. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how, how, how that plays out. I mean, it seems to be moving more positively of late. Um, but yeah, if, if you're relying on a government to bail you out, um, good luck on that timing, timing that right. And there's a, there's a, and we better bring it, but sorry, come on. No, no, I, I was just going to say you look at the French. I mean, the French have, have loved to be state owned and all of their stuff. Um, you know, they've lost a, a lot of uranium supply and when that was happening, they weren't too worried about it because um, they were going from 70% to 50%. Now they're going, staying at 70% um, and and building more, um, you know. So they're going to be the ones to watch with respect to the government intervention of supply um, and, and whether they, you know, they've got joint ventures in Canada. Are they going to be more um, aggressive there on their drilling? They've got some opportunities in Africa, are they going to be more aggressive there to try to sort of, you know, find a foothold in um, that, that the Chinese are, you know, aren't going to be fighting for in Africa. So that, that'll be the interesting ones to watch. But again, you know, they are dealing with their own problems at the moment, like fighting Germany as to, as to why, why nuclear should be green. <laughs> so, but they'll get there as well. But don't worry, um, Guy, it, it doesn't stop Germany buying energy from France. Um, right. That was a dig, in case anyone missed it. Um, right, let's let's. Uh, let, let, there's a great. Um, we, we're, inv we're we're investors. We wanted we should bring it back to investing, okay? Um, which is there's a great phrase uh, used over the past of eighteen months or so, which is oh, inflation is transitory. No shit, no kidding. Uh, you know, <laughs> some of some of that inflation has stayed with us, and some has has fallen off, uh, which 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 is great. But it, it seems. Um, as investors, I'm trying to work out how to look at this moment in time. You know, the, I say it's come off since beginning beginning of the year. If I look at 
um, the, the peaks and troughs of uranium investing. It's it's kind of hard, I said at the beginning, hard to know how to read it. Is it a case of, don't worry, the thematic's good, it's economics that is transitory, uh, you know, hold fast with your with your um, views on the uranium thematic. I mean, how, how do you, how do you, you're, you're managing a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, the interesting thing. I mean, we, we, we ran some correlation charts and a few presentations last year when we were looking at, at uh, you know, uranium moving with other hydrocarbons, primarily sort of gas and, um, and coal, for example, because they're all doing the same thing, reducing electricity. Um, and, you know, you saw obviously uh, this year, a lot of those hydrocarbon prices roll back over to a more normal level, you would argue. I mean, people are saying there's, there's further to go downside. I, I disagree. I'd say it's a slightly higher base than normal, um, just on the on the threat of weather, uh, especially in Northern Hemisphere for, for winter. But, you know, uranium held in there. It, it barely budged. So, you know, it sort of rode that correlate. It obviously wasn't as dramatic as European gas prices because that was very specific um, to what was going on there. But it sort of rode that on the way up. Uh, as you'd expect, I mean, you know, maybe people thought it should have done more, but wasn't the mainstream hydrocarbon uh, energy sort of thesis back then. Um, but when everything rolled off, it, it's it stayed rock solid. Uh, and yes, the equity came off twenty or thirty percent, but but the actual underlying price stayed. And so when I look at that, and you look back at at, at the nineteen seventies, when you know, I think there was a U.S. investment bank that put out a pretty good report. Um, not really anything new in it, but just the They've laid it out well. Um, you know, and they talked about how uranium was, was sort of counter-cyclical through the 1970s because there was a big reactor build program in response to you know, inflation and, and energy hydrocarbon issues around oil back then. Um, and, and uranium, you know, w- was a good investment because it, it pushed through that that and benefited from that. Um, but I, I don't see why, again, you, you know, you fast forward now, big reactor build program, <laughs> um, you know, hydrocarbon and energy problems that haven't gone away. They've just been delayed at the moment. And, um, you know, a, a primary mine supply deficit that's been seen, you know, of 10 years of, of inventory drawdown. So, you know, I look at that and say, well, the physical market's telling me that that uh, that things are tight and, and there's activity going on. The fuel services um, prices are telling me that there's activity going on. And just because the junior equities are selling off with, Bitcoin and and tech stocks and uh, and everything else. Um, as an investor, yes, that's painful because it's a, part, a large part of the investment uh, portfolio. But I look through that and say, you know, like great, you know, there's there's a there's a price that I'm going to be buying almost everything. Right. It's a bit. It, here's the thing. Okay. Okay. That, 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 thanks for that answer. But if you're talking to I mean, something you referenced earlier with about the fact that you know. You know, generalist funds looking in here, it's way too small. But if if you, as a fund manager, need to go and raise some some capital, you're going to going to you're going to go and have to talk to some generalists now because I think you know the, those who could buy have bought. Now it's a case of trying to get new money in, into the sector, right? So if you're talking to these guys who know what they know and probably don't know what they don't know um, with regards to the uranium nuclear space. What's the light bulb moment? What's the one thing that you say where they go, oh, I get this. That's the opportunity to make money. Because again, I'm interested as an investor. Oh, that's the way I make money on this. 
Is there a light bulb moment? Sorry, I've met some of them. I'm a bit doubtful of that. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the, the hook is uh, that I just point to my performance since inception where I say I've done 400% net of fee since inception. And, and they sort of look at you and go, I'm sorry, you what? <laughs> and then you compare the ETFs in that period and say, you know, yes, that's done well. It's done 110%. And here's a basket of sort of larger uranium stocks that have done 100 to 120% as well. So, you know, I'm not running turbo. What I'm, you know, like the outsized return is not me just, you know, throwing turbocharged darts at everything. When the sector moves, it moves. Um, that, that's what gets them interested. Um, the next question generally is, what are your top three holdings? <laughs> so for Aussie investors, I'll give them Canadian holdings, but the Canadian investors will give them Aussie holdings. Um, but my argument then is, you know, this is a, a concentrated small thesis that's turbocharged, that's volatile, um, where, you know, you're going to get 70% of your money back in a few years' time or 300 or 400% of your money, right? So realistically a family office of high net worth what are you putting in one or two percent of your investable sort of uh, a pie um i've spent six years in the weeds in this in this uh thesis so give it to me <laughs> like why try to replicate it it's one of those things and and i think this is a point of discretion we we're talking about before um investors are going well i don't really want to lose 30 percent of my money right now so you know if i've got spare change as we saw you know, in, in the last few years, cryptos goes to $60,000. Guess what? Every crypto handle on Twitter is investing in uranium because they might not have been pulling their money out, but they go, oh, wow, I've got some money I can play with. Let's go and see if I can replicate that return in uranium. Uh, and of course, it all came crashing down on them in a hurry um, because they, they followed each other in. But, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting because you're right, the generalist investor... Um, they get interested in 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 that hook. Um, they 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 will go and do some work at some stage. Though sometimes they go, it's too hard. But then when you then frame it around the energy security and the and the broader thematics of energy transition and blah blah blah, to them that also ticks some boxes for their investors. Uh, you know, like there's a whole bunch of superannuation funds down here who do not allow any fund manager to invest in coal, for example. Um, so those fund managers are sitting down here in Australia, for example, small cap funds saying, in the small lords, I've got a bunch of energy exposure, coal is part of that, uranium's now bucketed into that. Do, can I really afford to be not in at least index weight on that 150 basis points when I already don't have coal? And yes, I know I'm not getting measured on that. So when you start framing it in that perspective to say, it's part of your universe, whether you like it or not. And you know, you see it in the US, Russell 2000 things like that. Um, and the turbocharged nature of this means you probably should have something to do here. Um, then they get that sort of fear of, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have, uh, you know, miss my benchmark because 200 basis points has gone absolutely ballistic and, and blown me out of the water. I can explain it if one tech stock goes through the roof or, or lithium stock, I can explain that. But if I miss a sector, in my universe, in my index universe, um, you know, that people have been jumping up and down, it's going to be hard to explain. Yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting one at the moment. You've seen um, people like um, uh, Parnassus uh, Investments, you know, just just changing um, things up a bit and, you know, can, now considering 
investing in nuclear energy um you know they've been citing um you know climate change but you know uh, as you say this this uh energy transition um element is, is, is a big part of that they haven't yet committed though and it feels like there's a bunch of people like them sitting on the side and i just wonder you know years of fund manager talking to groups like that what's the thing that kind of gets them over the line because there's a little bit of look past performance is no indicator of, of, of future performance so you know you've seen a lot of upside here is there still upside to be had you know how what do i need to believe or what do you need to tell me that i that i believe which says actually there's still a bit of up, upside to go here you know even from from retail through to fund managers they're going to be asking that same question yeah look i mean you know you look again look at previous cycles in the 70s the spot price uh, appreciated almost 600%. In the 2000s, the spot price appreciated 1,800%. And, uh, you know, it doesn't take too much mathematics to work out that a junior equity is going to be much more leveraged to a to a spot movement. So there were some phenomenal returns. You know, this time, depending on where you started, if you want to go back to 2017 when Uranium was sort of $20, uh, you've seen a 200% increase. Uh, if you want to bring it to 2020 when when we started sort of moving on, ironically, around the timing of COVID, you know, you've done 135%. So uh, just on the spot price of the of the, of the the raw materials. So, you know, you, you, you frame it that way to people that say, have I missed it? And you say, look, you've missed, you've missed a little blip off, off a really, really, really low bottom um, that has been on a sector that's been completely ignored and, uh, and, and you know, on the bones of a bum for 10 years. Um, you know, if that's all you think that's going to happen. And, and I point people to that Brookfield Renewable deal with Westinghouse. You know, there's a lot of news about Cameco and how they did that. And, and I continue to say what people missed was the biggest investor in energy transition investor in renewable projects. And 125 gigawatts of projects under development or in production have basically just given a big green tick to nuclear fuel fabrication and reactor services businesses and said this fits and then when you take that back to cameco and say what's been your inbound into your investor relations department um their answer is people wanting to know about energy security esg investors energy investors as well uh, and a whole bunch of investors they've never seen ever in you know in, in an inbound inquiry in a cameco What's holding them back? I think the rubber stamping in the third quarter of this year, um, you know, and hopefully Cameco um, have will host a, a very detailed sell side analyst briefing where they basically just put the, the metrics of that deal in front of the analysts and the analysts go, whoa, wow, um, this is a lot bigger than we thought. And I think that then the, the flow through to Brookfield Renewable is, is the peers in that sector and then look at that uplift for Brookfield Renewable and go, well, hang on. We're missing this. We need to be we need to be looking at what we can do as well, because we can't turn around and say that it's not an investment opportunity in our in our universe anymore, because the biggest guys just said it is. Yeah. Well. Well. Look, it, it kind of feels like you know. Um, I don't know. I'm gravitating back to sheep, uh, but uh, <laughs> take that the right way. Uh, where, you know, if, I think if, if one of these guys gets over the line, one of these kind of big funds gets over the line, then perhaps others will follow. They, they will kind of uh, stop excluding uh, nuclear power um, and, and, and update their prospectuses. Um, I think that'll be really, really interesting um, if, if and when that happens. Um, but yeah, I, 
if and when that happens. It doesn't necessarily mean they'll will invest. It means that they could invest if they, if they want to take. Because what this sector needs, for sure, is new money. The, the amount of conversations I have to listen to people droning on about my uranium investment is better than your uranium investment. You need to sell your stuff and buy my stuff. It's like moving moving pieces around on, on the same table. What we need is new capital coming in and lots of it. Um, and obviously, I think you, you do a good job of um, going around the market and sort of educating uh, f fund managers and, and, and the like. Um, do you, so to finish off, so you feel that sort of general momentum is obviously positive in terms of politicians' change of vocabulary and narrative over the past um, 18 months, uh, certainly since the Russia-Ukraine situation, uh, but also with fund managers, you, f you feel that there's a kind of growing understanding or growing desire to have an understanding of what the opportunity is? Yeah, I do. Um, it's it's interesting. It's really interesting. I mean, you know, we've seen, obviously, there's the, the, the Sprott physical vehicle, for whatever reason, um, draws a lot of eyeballs because it's transparent. You can you can view it every day and they update their website. Um, and it's amazing the people that are still sitting out to me and saying, oh, uh, uh, that hasn't moved yet. And it's like, but hang on a second, the spot price is up, you know, what, 18.5% year to date. And and Sprott's barely been in apart from, some, you know, well, sorry, they were in January and February. Um, but, you know, in the last month, it's up 8% without Sprott being there. Uh, you know, we're, we're what at 57 and change, 57 and a half dollars, 57.70 uh, today and probably keep going. And they're not even there. And the number of people who are sitting there saying, I'm waiting for that to go into the rinse repeat mode of, of premium to nav and start hoovering pounds. And then I'm going to get in. I'm saying, look, sure, but it's a really, really small door. <laughs> and as we've seen in September 21 and then April 22 uh, or March, April 22, when these things when the when when a very small pool of capital comes in, it's it, it really does move it, it it quickly. So it's going to be really interesting to watch that because I don't think that's far away. Um, you know, you don't have to look too deeply into some of the flows coming out of uh, New York, especially to see some of these miners being bought. And uh, as we saw in January, the first few weeks there was increased flow in a few of these names, and then lo and behold, two big hedge fund sales desks in New York suddenly. Start sending me emails about buying uranium futures on the CME, <laughs> and they're the biggest buyers in the spot. So you know there's a, a tried and tested fast money model that's working, but it feels this time there's a lot more on the sidelines who are going to be ready for that fast money to take that quick turn and, and say, you know what, it's moving. I want to, I, 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 I will absorb it. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one, I think, in the next. Uh, Plus, you got seasonality on your, on your, um, you know, you always get the second half of the year in this sector where the prices start moving and activity starts increasing. Um, plus, you know, there's a lot of news flow coming from various companies and what have you, that's uh, that's all sort of been pushed back because of macro or, or, uh, or whatever. So it's it it's it, it's going to be really interesting to watch. I think in the next few months, especially. Well, I, I, I agree with you, and I think people are kind of pushing back on, on news because, uh, well, down, down to inflation, which you mentioned earlier, people don't want to put out economic studies um, because, you know, some of those projects obviously don't stack up right now, and, you know, they kind of get a lot of uh, things uh, thrown their direction in terms of their, their ability to actually, you know, get into production anytime soon. But the, don't forget the uranium 
CEOs, quite frankly, are viewing this thing as, uh, well, forget the price today. I, I always say this, like, you know, if you had a gold uh, CEO talking about, oh, don't worry about gold price today, um, it's going to double. It'll double, uh, so we'll be fine. If everyone could have that attitude of life, it would be, be great. But, you know, there's got to be a belief that the price moves quickly, whether it's term, your term contracts, um, price and what, what, whatever other kind of variations you have on it will move through 70. Some companies will need it to move through a lot harder than that. Um, this thing works, but it's a, it's a great, it's a, it's a massive, well, if moment. And for people kind of looking in and going, well, hang on, why do you guys get to say that? Why, why does that, why is that fair for you and not for all of these other metals commodities, which also show this huge delta between the current supply global supply and demand in the next five years so it was, why, why do they get that free pass because uh, it's the only the only card that a lot of them have got to use to play right um you know and, and and i guess as well when you've only got one sector buyer that's uh, you know a handful of long-term thinkers and movers you know you a gold gold you can go and hedge it if you want to hedge it um you know you can you can sign an off take with a senior dore somewhere and and so you know that there's a market for your product um but yeah i mean you're right but i think it comes down to it's the only thing that a lot of these uranium developers are actually able to say i can't do anything here um <laughs> but it's going to go up because i can't do anything <laughs> so it's uh whether it works for them or not uh you know as i pointed to before as I, as I briefly alluded to this morning uh, earlier, so um, if we get to seventy dollars in a hurry, there's going to be a whole bunch of noise around people saying, "I'm going to make a final investment decision," and uh, and I could probably count on one hand how many of those I'll I'll be backing with some money, because uh, you know then you'll get the old, "Oh, uh, yeah, I've got uh, a few permits that I just need to sort out," and um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I just need to, uh, I don't have any long lead items and this, that, and the other. <laughs> You know, so I'll be in production. I'll just update my study, and uh, I'll be in production in 2026. Um, so you, there will be a lot of noise when 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 the, when the price gets there. But again, there'll be four or five that that you know they'll say right when they say they're going to move. I, I believe they will, um, and it comes down to you know we've been around talking to them for for a long time. We were around when no one was picking up the phones of them apart from debt collectors. <laughs> you know, so, um, <laughs> You know, we've been able to sit there through that journey and, and really get a feel for who is capable of delivering a project when the price gets there. So it's going to be, as I said, really interesting to watch because uh, uh, the, the sector will be a buzz of, you know, plenty of people standing in front of not even a hole saying it's going to be a producing mine in the future. We've seen it before. It's been great talking to you, Guy. Look, thanks for sharing the, the, um, your views on... I guess slightly different subjects that perhaps um, other people are talking about. It's just, I think it's been interesting um, coming at it from a slightly different angle and stopping with the same old conversations because this sector is guilty of that over the past four years. So I appreciate your candor and your insight. Thank you very much, Guy. No worries. I think, mean, it's been fun. Really enjoyed it.